Pastor Ed Taylor says how you spend your money says a lot about you. He doesn't use money to, in our lives to raise funds. He uses money to raise disciples. Because I would dare say that if you're in a dip in your life right now and your walk with Jesus isn't very strong and you just seem to be struggling, if you were to allow me to see your checkbook, I will show you why. Because it's many areas of your life that are lacking and you're not even doing the easy ones. And when you're not doing the easy ones, then the hard ones become even harder and harder. This is amazing grace. Thanks for dropping by. This is Abounding Grace. We'll be joined by Pastor Ed Taylor in just a bit. We get right back into 2 Corinthians today and touch on a sensitive subject, to say the least. I've heard it said the most sensitive nerves in the human body are the nerves that extend from the heart to the pocketbook. But the Lord has a lot to say about how we handle our finances and giving. And so if it's important to Him, it should be important to us. And so today we give attention to giving and generosity. Here's Pastor Ed to get us started in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You'll recall back in the beginning, I broke it down for you, but just for the sake of of repeating and review, chapters 1 through 7, Paul explains his ministry. The last couple chapters were really defensive, not in the sense where he's trying to defend himself and, and, and put up his dukes, but it was more of real close relationship. You know, when you've got a friend or someone really close to you, but they have forgotten, they've forgotten the, the good times, they've forgotten, they, they seem to only remember the bad and they have forgotten the good. That's where Paul was. Like, and, and even in Paul's life, it wasn't even bad, it was just a bunch of lies, these guys had come in and wanted to take, take advantage of the church, and they started this gossip and slander. So what Paul does in the first seven chapters is he explains, and he reminds. Chapters 8 and 9 go together, and this will be the section where Paul expects the Corinthians to give. And he teaches that expectation. And then finally, at the, the letter is going to end in chapters 10 through 13, where Paul will express a defense of his apostleship. Not just defending and explaining his ministry, but he's going to remind them of his apostleship. And the emphasis now from chapter 7 to 8 is away from himself and some of the things he was forced to answer. And now the focus is on the congregation and their commitment and their commitment to God in giving. Now we know, we're going to be on this topic for many weeks. We're going to break it down and take it very slowly. We know that the topic of giving always raises concerns. It shouldn't. It's a part, just like praying and fasting and serving, giving is right there. There's no difference, higher or lower. You wouldn't think twice if I said, let's do an eight-week study on praying. All right, pastor. Let's do an eight-week study on serving. All right, pastor. Let's do eight weeks on giving. Whoa. What are you trying to do? And going to shake me down and all the other things of... Of giving, And it shouldn't be that way. But because religion and because men and women using religion in the Bible, 
in a wrong way to take advantage of sincere followers of Jesus, money and the topic of money is either underemphasized or overemphasized or misrepresented altogether. And I'll let you know ahead of time. We'll touch on a little bit later, but I'll let you know ahead of time. Nothing belongs to you. Nothing belongs to me. Everything that I have has been given to me by God. And you go, wait a minute, Pastor Ed. I've got my bank account. I've got my checkbook. I, it's, I know what I may. I work. I earn it. I don't disagree with any of that. And it goes into your, you know, gets direct deposited. You, I, you have your possessions. They're in your name. I, I don't disagree with any of that. But here's the thing. God owns you. So everything you have, everything I have, the Bible says that I've been bought with a price. And if I've been bought with a price, that means I am owned by a very benevolent, loving owner, but I belong to him. So that when he requests or he commands or he encourages or he prompts by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in me in relation to praying or fasting or serving or giving, then my response is obedience or disobedience, but there's not a third option. And if everything I have belongs to him, then I would be well to obey him. So money, I hopefully will have a balanced approach biblically because that's where we're at in the scriptures. We're on the topic of money and giving and the heart of the matter. And you know, the church being taken advantage of is not a 20th or 21st century problem. I know it's more prominent now because of television and technology, there isn't a time when I'm searching through for Grace TV where I'll come across, because uh, those channels are blocked, but I can, I can manually put them on my television. I can see it. Almost, not 100% of the time, but very close to 100% of the time, there's always a guy on there to sh- literally shake you down and give you all kinds of promises and all kinds of gimmicks to extract from those that are watching. Generally, very sincere, loving uh, people that are homebound or aren't able to get out and TV is a big part of their lives and TV is a big part of their religious lives that they get these guilt trips and playing on greed and all sorts of things to extract money from people that are following God. It's not just a 21st century problem though. Turn over to Acts chapter 20 and you'll see that this was something that the first church, the early church, dealt with right out of the gate. It may be different and the techniques might be different But the issue is the same. And Paul warned the church and the leaders in Ephesus. He called the elders to himself here in chapter 20. And he warned them in verse 26 of Acts chapter 20. He warned them. And Jesus did the same thing. And we're going to see in a moment Peter did the same thing. We could go many different places to develop this. But for the sake of our time, we'll just go to a couple. In Acts chapter 20 verse 26. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. I've not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, notice, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And on top of that, he says, and also among yourselves, men will rise up speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore, watch. Remember that for three years I didn't cease to warn everything, everyone night and day with, tear, with tears. So he commends you what? To the word of his grace, which is able to build you up. 
verse 32, he says, I'm telling you right now, it's going to happen. You're going to be ta- there are going to be people that want to take advantage of you. And they, some of them will rise up from among you. So take heed, elders. You know, if someone rises up among you here in this congregation and takes advantage of you, that's my responsibility. I take that personally. Well, why, Ed? Because I was, I've been taught to take care of you and to watch out for you. That's what the Bible tells me to do. And the elders and the leaders of this church, the pastors, our responsibility is not to take advantage of you, but to watch out for you and to point you and commend you to the word, to God's grace and his word. We're to take care of you. We're not to let people take advantage of you, uh, to hurt you, to take from you, to go around asking for money from you and say, I need a little handout and I to, to share some story with you. I'm not talking about relationships. I'm just talking about people rising up because you're here. You're here to worship God. You're not here for me. You're not here for the music. You're not here for this church. You're here to worship Jesus. You're here to to be fed spiritually no matter who's here. You're here to worship God. You're not here to be taken advantage of. Nobody woke up and said, you know, I think I want to go down to Calvary Chapel and be taken advantage of. And I'm just going to walk with dollars hanging out of my pocket and... And I'm going to put a, you know, nobody needs to put a sign on me. Just I'm going to put it on my back. Kick me and take advantage of me. Nobody did that. You don't live that way anyway, ever. You don't want to be taken advantage of. But because you're in a vulnerable state, you go, how am I vulnerable? Well, because, you know, in church, you tend to let your guard down. Do you know in churches, people rip your wallets off? You know that? They steal purses. Do you know they rip, people rip the Bibles off from our bookstore? Did you know that? It happens. It's just people are desperate, and, you know, you rip the Bible off. I hope, it, hope you get saved. I mean, I mean, what, I mean whatever. You know, if you ask, we'll give you one. You don't need to rip it off. We'll give you a Bible. Oh, I don't want one of those cheap ones. Fine, we'll go get you one downstairs. It's better than stealing it. Maybe you'll read it, and the Lord will bless. But that, because people are people, and criminals are criminals. And drug dealers and drug, well, not, not drug dealers necessarily, drug addicts, they'll do anything to make a buck. And so you let your guard down, and when you let your guard down, that's when the enemy would love to take advantage of you. And it's just, you, you, you think, well, that doesn't happen in churches. Yes, it does. And you always want to walk with your spiritual antenna up, because if I see somebody ripping something off in the bookstore, I'm not going to tackle them. I'm going to love them. I'm going to ask them to put the Bible back, and then I'm going to love them, <laughs> or whatever. I'm going to encourage them, but I'll also say, do you really need that? You don't need to steal it, man. I'll buy it for you. You don't need to steal it. We'll buy it for you. There's a thousand people that would buy you a Bible or a meal. You don't need to steal it. You have to be careful wherever you are, but especially around the places where the Lord is feeding you, you're edified, you're encouraged. It was great today they did breakfast for dinner. And I don't know about you, but I do feel good after eating bacon. <laughs> we could smell that earlier in the day. It goes through all the offices. I, don't, I can't remember the last time they cooked bacon, but I, I do remember the last time they did garlic bread because that goes through all of the offices too. And I did something today that I normally don't ever do, and that's eat before I teach because the bacon was hard to say no to. And you know that feeling after a good meal or that feeling after a good spiritual meal puts you in a more vulnerable place. And now the things that I shared with you, they don't happen all the time. They don't happen every week. But they happen. This church, that church. You know, we've come to service um, 
we've come to the office one morning and all the windows in the vans were busted out. You know, we hope we're here to minister to those kids. It's hard. But I'm sure it was just kids goofing off. They don't know any better. The thing about that is I was one of those kids. That was me. I had no respect for a church or pastor or anything. And as I think of that, one, we're to guard you, but two, we're also to watch out to serve people and to take care of them. So you always have to have your eyes wide open. And one of the ways that people will try to rip you off, Christian, is money. Is money. And that's why we're going to stick to the word and let it be our guide in giving and money. And you can obey the Lord from the word. Peter said the same thing. Go ahead and turn back to Peter, Second Peter chapter 2. When we were building the building here, this particular side of the building, we would have the contractors would be um, leaving a lot of materials here. And they would leave it overnight and, and take their chances with security and everything. And one night we had some vandals come in and do thousands upon thousands of thousands of dollars of damage. They broke everything that was being built and drywall and all kinds of things. And one of the young people that did that lived near here. And his family was watching the church being built. And through as a series of events... Um, you know, a tragedy struck that family. Uh, and his parents came in here looking for help. And his parents got saved here as a result of their son being connected, doing some damage here and being connected here. And, and it was a significant tragedy in their life, in their life and with their young son uh, that we were able to con- connect and minister to them. Um, you know, they're serving the Lord here. They're not here anymore. They're in another Calvary. That God's blessing them and encouraging them. And you, you just don't know how God is going to use stuff. We get so hung up about the stuff, but God can replace stuff. God can always replace stuff. But I wonder if we're going to build the bridge to the people that's messing with the stuff because they're the ones that need Jesus. And I think of them, I'm just so encouraged because it was rough. You know, we were all like, what are we going to do and who's going to pay for this? And all the while God is going, it has nothing to do with the stuff, man. There's a kid that's going to have his family come into your congregation. You better be ready for it. And I love that. And, and, and yet, at the same time, in Second Peter chapter 2, verse 1, it says, But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you who will secretly bring in destructive heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction. It says in verse 3, By covetousness they will exploit you with deceptive words and a long time. Their judgment has not been idle and their destruction does not stumble. You'll be exploited. And so I share all that just at the beginning to say, if you've ever been burned in a church, you've ever been burned with money, you've ever been burned by another believer, you've ever given to somebody on TV only to find out they were a fraud, I want you to know that your giving unto the Lord is unto the Lord. And it's not to be surprised. I don't want to be exploited myself. You don't want to grow a hard heart because you've been exploited. But you do want to grow a soft heart to the Lord and go, well, God, I know what you desire of me, and I've been burned, but just because I've been burned, I'm not going to close up that part of my life. I want to be open to be faithful in being a, having a giving heart before you, Lord. And in, with giving, it's gotten so bad that there are always those that just think in their mind as a pastor opens the Bible and says, hey, we're going to talk about giving. Oh, here we go again. There it is, the preacher just after our money. And as you go through the series, you'll understand through this section that... God is after your heart. 
And I'm after God, so I'm after your heart as well. And many, many times in relation to giving, we've laid out our philosophy here, which I believe is biblical, and we'll be repeating that through the time of our study because the Bible has a lot to say about money, how to be good stewards. And if you've been in our fellowship for any length of time, you know that our approach to money is like anything else. It's balanced biblically. And it's low-key. We believe in tithing. And we believe in giving. And we believe in the supporting of the work of this church. And we don't, do, we don't want it to be the focus. It's not the focus. The focus is Jesus and your relationship with him. And so we're not going to have pledge drives here. We're not going to pre-print envelopes for you. And, and other churches can do that, and that's in between them and the Lord. But for us, we're not going to be doing that. We're not going to spend any extra time that we could be spending encouraging, edifying, going after the lost, doing things that really, if we just taught you the word really well, we wouldn't have to be concerned about it. It would just be between you and the Lord. And so we, you, you're, you, those of you that are brand new to Calvary, those of you that are brand new, you need to understand that our congregation, Calvary chapels in general, are independent, autonomous churches. What that means is that we don't have any outside support from anyone. That when the church was planted with the 30 people, our budget at that time and our bank account was zero. That's how we started. And we all were working, we're all praying, we're all giving, we, we're all independent, so we don't have any outside support. Everything that has flowed through this church, every ministry, every, every meal that's been given, every uh, ministry, every everything, this building, that side of the building, this pulpit, this chair, whatever, whatever it is has been because of the faithful giving of the congregation. This congregation. You and me. Our giving. It's all come. It hasn't come from somewhere else. Uh, we, it's come and, and, and what, we, what we receive is what we use. And if we don't have it, then we don't get it. <laughs> That's, is that how you live your life? That's how we all live. If you know, I don't have it, we don't get it. We just wait on the Lord. We pray. We ask God to provide. And we're not going to place any undue pressure that's not from the Lord. So if you ever feel pressure about money here, it's from the Lord. It's not from me. God will take care of us, just like he's going to take care of you. And when the finances begin to dip, which they never have in 14 years, I'm not going to pull out a tithing message to somehow guilt you. I'm not going to bring my kids. Now, my kids are older now, but when they were younger, it really worked here. I would dress them up in all messed up clothes and <laughs> dirty. And it's like, look how hungry and how scrawny they look. You guys, you guys aren't giving enough. My family's not. No, no. If I, you know, we, it's, it's, it's really quite comical to even mention this. But if I, you know, we ever got to the place where that's what my, I would go get a job. I know how to work. <laughs> and not that, well, I know because you're a pastor and you don't work anymore. No, it's like, no, no, it's. A different job um, than what I'm doing now. It, it's, I'm not going to guilt you. That's, we, that's not the Lord. God doesn't even guilt you. He leads you. And he convicts us. And he reminds us. And even God will plead with us. And he'll beg us to do the right thing. He doesn't use money to, in our lives to raise funds. He uses money to raise disciples. Because I would dare say that if you're in a dip in your life right now, and your walk with Jesus isn't very strong, and you just seem to be struggling, if you were to allow me to see your checkbook, I will show you why. Because it's many areas of your life that are lacking. And you're not even doing the easy ones. And when you're not doing the easy ones, then the hard ones become even harder. 
and harder. So set that up because the Bible has a lot to say about giving. Jesus had a lot to say about giving. 16 of the 38 parables were concerned with how to handle money and possessions. Check it out. In the gospel, an amazing one out of 10 verses, which amounts to about 200, over 280 verses, deal directly with the subject of money. The Bible office offers 500 verses on prayer, less than 500 verses on faith, but more than 2,000 verses on money. So it's not like it's not a topic for the Lord. It's not like it's, he doesn't, uh, don't worry about it. He wants us to learn about money, but in a balanced approach. And we aim to present that balanced biblical approach to giving in the days ahead here on Abounding Grace. Pastor Ed Taylor is in 2 Corinthians 8 and his message called Overflowing Joyful Giving in the Midst of Affliction can be heard online at calvaryco.church. Pastor Ed, as you were mentioning a moment ago just how frequently the subject of giving and money is addressed in the Bible, a question comes to mind. As you know, some will say, I just can't afford to give right now. Maybe they're living paycheck to paycheck. How would you reply to that? Well, Larry, you know as well as I do that living paycheck to paycheck is not an easy way to live. And so for those of you that are just barely making ends meet or maybe not even making ends meet, we need to pray for you. So let's do that right now. Father, I do pray for those that are wrestling uh, in their finances, uh, just barely making it or not making it at all. I pray according to your word that you would bless them and encourage them and that you would provide for their needs according to your riches in Christ Jesus, that they would have that sense of purpose or their, you know, that, their closeness to you in depending upon you for their daily needs, their weekly needs. And so bless them, Lord, and provide for them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, the first thing I do, Larry, is pray for them, of course. And then, then I would encourage them that even in difficult times, uh, the Bible doesn't give a provision for not giving. Uh, if we are to be giving people, and it's not to be measured just in money. Uh, if we're living paycheck to paycheck, then our giving should be factored in that living arrangement. Uh, we should give as the Lord purposes in our heart, and we should give in such a way that would honor Him, and we should give uh, financially to our local church. Uh, the, the goal, the Old Testament minimum was, was a tithe, but the New Testament has no minimum and has no maximum. As a matter of fact, the New Testament mandates that we give ourselves completely, which would include everything that we have and own. And I just know that Western culture and kind of the American dream and those things have clouded our vision of what true giving is and what true surrender is. And so those that are struggling, I pray for you. I know Marie and I had our years of struggling and paycheck to paycheck. And, and I just remember I, I wanted to obey God. I didn't want to live paycheck to paycheck and not obey God. Uh, I wanted to live paycheck to paycheck while I was obeying God. And so we made tithing and giving a big part of our lives. It didn't matter what I was making. Uh, we gave when Marie and I both worked, and we gave when Marie uh, stayed home from work. And she was no longer working outside of the home, but rather stayed home to uh, take care of the kids. It was a big financial hit to our family, but we committed to give. So I would just say pray, commit, and then obey and watch God come through because he will. I promise you on the authority of his word, he will come through to provide for all of your needs according to his riches in Christ Jesus. I like that. 
pray, commit, and then obey. A great word of encouragement there from Pastor Ed. Well, this month, we picked out a resource we believe will really be helpful to your life. It's called Contented in All Things Peace. Many are asking, is this all there is to life? They're not happy, and contentment seems out of reach. There is a way to find peace and contentment in all things. And Pastor Jeff Guype reveals that to us in contentment. So if you've been struggling in this area and really want to experience contentment, this is a must-read. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. We can't thank you enough for your support. God is doing a wonderful work through the radio these days, and you can be a part of it. Call toll-free 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. You can also write to Abounding Grace, 18900 East Hamden Avenue, Aurora, Colorado, 80013. Join us for our next study in 2 Corinthians. That's on the next Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.